The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. We're talking NFC West today. How did the teams fare in 2019? What can we expect in 2020? Yes, we are back after a hiatus, a pandemic-related hiatus. Not that Brad or I got sick, but just because life's getting a little bit weird for uh, for yours truly. But I am proud to announce that we have the 2020 Fantasy Football Almanac and Draft Guide available now on Amazon. Click the link below and you will be able to buy that book directly on Amazon. Why should you buy the book now? Well, first of all, you get free updates. Secondly, this book is uh, part math, part scouting. We scout for fantasy football. It is deeper than any other guide you're going to get out there. You get those free updates like I was saying, and there is not a guide on the market that has as long of a history as being right about what players are going to suck and are overrated like Le'Veon Bell last year, like David Johnson last year, and no book is better at predicting sleepers like, hey, Lamar Jackson last year, we told (laughs) our people to draft him in the 6th, 7th, 8th round last year, our readers who did that won their leagues going away thanks to Mr. Lamar Jackson. So there you go. There's the little plug. You are listening as usual to Sean and Brad. Brad, how's it going, my friend? You know, it's good to see you, buddy. It's been a little bit, and uh, I missed you. And I think that it's a nice way to come back to this podcast talking about NFC West. Oh, my goodness. Because what a wild, what a wild division filled with talent. Filled with talent, and I'll say that's a feather in our cap um, last year, as as we kind of alluded to when we were teasing this episode out. I know it's been a couple weeks since we launched one, but you know the NFC West last year, Brad, you and me were high on it. We both thought that they could get three playoff teams um, last year. Now, in the preseason predictions, I'm going to give you credit. You predicted San Francisco would be in the playoffs. I predicted that the Rams were going to going to get that. We both said Seattle would be in. I had Rams and and San Francisco just narrowly missing. You had Seattle in or uh, San Francisco in, I should say, the whole time. Uh, but I will say, early in the season, um, as as in the second week of the season, I watched them play and I said, "Dude, this team is if they're not the best, they're the second best team in the conference." So I changed my tune early in the season. But we we both had them at ten wins last year, at least. Uh, we were both on the over. And, uh, right, right. and you know what, top to bottom, like we'll talk about all the teams, but even Arizona was a fun team to watch last year with Kyler Murray, uh, Cliff Clayton. Even Arizona was. It's a yeah, fun they show promise, bro. don't they? Yeah, they and we thought they'd be a dumpster fire, and they definitely showed a lot of promise. Yeah. And I think it shows where the NFL is going that, you know, the, the short athletic quarterback, he, he could hang, right? He could win. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I lose my notes, of course, right as we get started here. But I have the um, the, the season kind of stats up there. And we'll go too heavy into the stats here. But, uh, yeah, during the um, during the NFL season, so my big question, we'll start with Arizona, I guess, just kind of get them out of the way because, you know, this is basically a slug match between the other three teams all season long. Uh, the interesting thing about Arizona is I wasn't sure what was going to happen, whether, you know, Kingsbury, how was his system going to do? You know, I'm not a big fan of, of teams that go completely heavy towards one thing, and we know Kingsbury was a passer. Um, like, I was worried, is he going to be like Dirk Cutter in Atlanta, who I've been very critical of, the guy who, like, throws the ball 70% of the time and just ignores the run? I'm just not big on that because I think if you take away the threat of either running or passing, then teams can – it just makes it easier for the defense to game plan against you. But I got to say, man, and Murray, I was wondering if he – because, look, he's he's a shorter guy. Yes, he is athletic. He has a cannon for an arm. Cannon for an arm. Super fast, super mm-hmm. quick. I was worried, is he – 
is basically is a system going to be one of those things where every play they're going to have to roll Kingsbury out, or I'm sorry, roll Kyler Murray out so that he could throw the ball over the offensive line. But that's the way it was through preseason, maybe the first three to four weeks of the season. But after a while, man, Murray was Murray was carving people up in the uh, in the secondary there from the pocket. I like this team going into 2020. I liked watching I know, this team in 2019. What I don't like, Brad, is their I competition. I think that moving forward. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. No, their competition is what I was going to mention. I mean, I think moving forward, they're going to be able to compete. But, you know, as good as Kyler Murray can can take them and become, I don't know if they have yet what it takes to move into that number one slot in the division. No and way. I think, uh, right, I mean, because you got Seattle, you got San Francisco, obviously. And, I, you know, the Rams, I don't know what they're going to be. And it's tough to say. Um, they took a step back, right? And they've kind of lost their luster. And I don't know if you have a theory about what's going on there. So, yeah, so let me let me close it up because that's a great segue into the Rams. So let me close up Kyler Murray just talking about him. 64.4% passing, 37.22 in terms of yardage, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. For a rookie, uh, you know, if, okay, if he was third, fourth year, year in a league, I'd say, hey, man, you need more touchdowns than that in the NFL, especially in this offense that wants to pass the ball, right? But um, for a rookie, man, that's, those are really nice stat lines, especially the completion percentage. And Kingsbury, you know, he did keep the ball short. You look at uh, Kenyon Drake when he came online. Uh, you know, we're talking in terms of fantasy here. Kenyon Drake in eight games there uh, gets 643 yards. Um, that's crazy. Mm. That's just in rushing the ball. He had 171 yards. Also had eight touchdowns, so he's averaging a touchdown a game there. Once Drake got there midway through the season, and he was doing garbage with the uh, Miami Dolphins, you know, this team started to take off. The interesting thing, Brett, before we move it to the Rams, dude, Arizona getting DeAndre Hopkins for basically a bag of beans— um, magic beans, <laughs> maybe, but um, but beans. You know, th- now this receiving core, Kyler Murray, um, and they added some offensive line help in the draft, mind you, Arizona. Kyler Murray now has Christian Kirk, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, the great Larry Fitzgerald, and DeAndre Hopkins to throw to with Kenyon Drake coming wow. back. Wow. And- Wow, it's beautiful. It's a it, Dude, they're going to be really fun to watch. Like you said, though, I still think they're the f- – Look, it wouldn't shock me if they put it together and they finished third in this division because they got a lot better. Um, San Francisco, are they going to have a Super Bowl hangover? We can talk about that a little bit later. We'll talk about Seattle too. L.A. to me is, and we'll transition now, Brad, um, to the L.A. Rams. L.A. is the the dangerous one to me, uh, meaning like— You think I, so? I don't know what they're going to be. Um you know, they get rid of yeah, Gurley. it's hard to say, right? Why don't you talk about Gurley and kind of your impressions of, of, of that? Because there's a whole lot to go into with the Rams. Yeah, I don't know. Something about Gurley really, really got me upset uh, starting, what, a couple years ago? Yeah. It really bothered me. I thought it was obnoxious. And he wouldn't yeah. play or he was injured. Yeah, and right, right. The whole thing was it was discreet. I did not like that. Yeah. Like, what's happening? What's wrong with this guy? Like, is he injured or is he not? Because this is so annoying. Yeah, I hear you. And so I always was under the impression that Gurley – yeah, he was banged up. I feel like he had like an MCL. He, he had some knees, and you can hear in the press that he had a degenerative knee condition, all this stuff, right? And uh, and the mysteriousness, I didn't, I don't think helped him because a lot of people yeah, were critical right. of him. You start to see reports that his career is going to be over, which I always thought were way blown. Because when I watch the games, and part of what I do, I'll do a little mini plug here again for the Fantasy Football Almanac 
check out once again check out below uh, the link below if you want to check that out but uh, again sleepers analysis all that stuff but when I watched the film of the preseason and I saw him running I'm like dude like he's look is he as as good as he was his first year in the league second year league no but he's still good enough especially in the system to, to be a good running back and he put up double digit touchdowns last year he was fine um what concerned me is that McVeigh McVeigh went and just started putting the offense on Goff's shoulders and what I think people forget because we're in such like right. a yeah, we're in such a like what happened last week kind of mode, especially because of the fantasy football and daily fantasy and all this stuff, like lineup distribution, all that. People think are like, oh, well, Gurley's done because he's not putting up, you know, uh, you know, four point five yards a carry or whatever he was. But people forget that Todd Gurley sucked in uh, Je- uh, Jeff Fisher's last year as a coach there, and they thought Todd Gurley might have been a bust then. Then McVay comes in, runs the offense through Gurley as they should and breathes life into him, then he's the greatest thing. And then he has a down year last year after kind of that mysterious knee injury, and then he sucks again. Now he's gone, and he's in Atlanta, and we'll see what happens there. But as I mentioned before with Dirk Cutter, I don't think he's going to have a great season. Again, not because he's not a a good player, not because he can't produce, but because he's not in a good offense. So my thought on the the Rams last year, though, Brad, specifically is this is on McVay's shoulders because, you know, Goff gets the big money. They they start running the offense through him. They start start running less. They don't get Gurley the volume that he really needs to be effective. Suddenly you see Malcolm Brown getting carries and goal line carries. Uh, You know, five touchdowns for Malcolm Brown last year. It's annoying for fantasy owners. I think that Bill Belichick broke, and I've said this before last season, I think Bill Belichick in that Super Bowl broke Sean McVay. And maybe, yeah, maybe. I, I, I think that it can like, happen. Yeah, and like after putting up three points in that Super Bowl or whatever it was, you know, basically kind of being shut down. Um, I, I think that was I, terrible. It was ter- it was a terrible Super Bowl to watch. That was it was a terrible Super Bowl. That was one of the worst ever. Right? It was awful. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, the Patriots didn't the Patriots didn't do much better. Let's be honest. No, they, they had one 13? big play to, Gr- uh, to Gr- uh, Gronkowski. To Gronk, they had one big play to Gronkowski, and that got them their only touchdown, I believe, if I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah, I believe the final uh, yeah, was thirteen that to whole three. Thing was terrible. Reserves. Yeah, it's no good, no bueno. Thirteen to three, yeah. Um, so you know, there's another weird thing because it's always odd when a quarterback who you know comes out and and overproduces, right, and mm-hmm. shines when that quarterback gets a big paycheck. It's like the next season, it's not the same. And that happens over and over again. And I wonder if it's because there's a certain amount of pressure that comes along with that money. You're the guy. You're the one. You're making more than anyone on the team. So you better be better than everyone on that team. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a sense of that. With with Goff, and I think he's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I think he's, to me, he's kind of similar to Matt Ryan, who also went to a Super Bowl and also lost to the Patriots, as we saw. Like, like that to me is is kind of where he's at. I don't think golf is ever going to be, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes where you think you can just, hey, let's give this guy forty million dollars a year and tra- Patrick Mahomes. Let's give him forty million dollars a year. Yeah, we might have a, a worse offensive line. We might have a worse running back. We might have a worse defense, but he's going to be able to, you know, put him on, put uh, our team on his back, and he'll score. Russell Wilson, we saw that. Um, you know, Russell Wilson gets his big money. The offensive line takes a slip. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks take a little bit of a step back, but now we see they're kind of going forward again um, with, you know, even with Russell Wilson as a big payday. Goff, the thing to me was part of that, um, and Goff, you know, in the pocket, he, you know, you can see him kind of get a little bit of happy feet like Peyton Manning did. And again, this isn't a criticism. This is just, yeah. I think, a valid, you know, you watch the tape, you see it. 
Um, he's still very effective. He can still do well. But I think that pressure plus Sean McVay kind of transitioning this from Gurley taking a load to Goff taking a load, I think that was too quick of a transition. Like, I know that McVay thinks a lot of, of Jared Goff, but I'll be honest with you, and you've been very critical of Kirk Cousins in the past. I think last year you put Kirk Cousins on the Rams. I think they're a better team last year, truly. You know, uh, because, I, you know, Kirk Cousins can deal with, I think, the outside pressure a little bit more. Maybe he's not as – and I don't think physically talented. Well, I don't think long-term uh, Cousins is better. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, like, Goff with the pressure and McVay with the transition, it just didn't jive. And until it took McVay a little bit longer to figure out, hey, let's start running this – through the running backs again, even if we're under four yards of carry, let's focus on the run. And the Rams went on a little bit of a run towards the end of the season, but it was too little too late at that point. They just couldn't get well, over the hump, you know? For the record, we are now putting Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff into the same conversation, right? Meaning that we feel yep. that they are kind of the same guy. Is that fair? Um, it's fair for me. How do you I mean, feel I think that? that yeah, I think it's very fair, and uh, I don't disagree with you. I don't exactly agree with you, but it would be like they, they are. I think it's apples to apples, man. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't say something so asinine as to say, like, putting Drew Brees on the Rams makes them better because obviously it does, right? Yeah. And that's why we didn't use a name like that, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah, Cousins, he's he's an enigma, though, to the end of time, and I think – uh Hey man, you have to, to you have to admit done. Cousins did exceeded your expectations last year. That win well, against New Orleans. No, I'm not going to admit that he beat New Orleans. You're so okay, was that? Dude, you are so stubborn with this. He he had made big throws in plenty of primetime games last year. He played well. Game. He played great. He Come played on, man. Great. He exceeded your expectations. He didn't look so good against Green Bay. No, no, yeah. not exceed. He's yeah, fine. Right. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine, but he's not. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. won a playoff game. All right. Well, it only took you about 12 years, you turd. <laughs> yeah, well, there are a lot of people that haven't won Anyways. playoff games. But no, no, I get you. Well, I, that's like, a good point. I'm not saying – look, I, I'm saying you know, Kirk Cousins, his ceiling's probably second-tier um, quarterback. I'm, I'm not saying that he's as good as uh, Mahomes or I think Lamar Jackson, although I, as a passer, I don't put Lamar Jackson in a top tier as a passer, but as a quarterback with what he can do running the ball, he's a game changer. I don't put him Russell Wilson's net category. Not that. I think Tom Brady at yeah. this point in Tampa, yeah, we'll see what a... happens. He could be back in that category. Ben Roethlisberger coming off oh, injury. Yeah. He could be on that. Like there are certain quarterbacks where you're just like, dude, this guy has balls and he can, he can ball out and you can, you yeah. know, if everything's going bad, he's such a good quarterback that he can still win games. And I think those guys are kind of in that category. Like Kirk Cousins, I feel like he needs the defense. He needs Dalvin Cook. Jared Goff, I think he needs a valid running game. However, the Rams, after getting, you know, cutting bait and getting rid of uh, Todd Gurley, they added Cam Akers in the draft. And I think Akers could be everything that Todd Gurley was a couple years ago. So I'm actually very high on We'll get into the fantasy content later. Um, you know, later in the, the show and all that, not this episode, um, but I'm talking about like later episodes, but I like Cam Akers a lot and the Rams I think are going to be better, but they also got rid of both offensive coordinators, uh, or both coordinators. So Wade Phillips is gone, which I thought was a very questionable move. Um, but again, we'll talk about the team preview, but they're going to be weird. Let's move it, Brad. Let's move Can it. Can I just say this yeah. real quick before we move on? Yeah. Is that something magical happens when Minnesota and New Orleans get together for playoff games? <laughs> Jesus, go. right? Yeah, it's they're, uh... they're just fascinating and, and drama filled and incredible. Mm -hmm. I am Very looking forward to more of those. 
And, you know, after we did these season reviews, there was so much movement. Like, we, I don't even know that we talked about Brady um, in the in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers segment. Certainly not in New England segment that we talked about Brady and his exit. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, I can't right. wait to start getting into what's going to happen, especially with the uh, with the schedule being released now. Uh, let's see. Next one, we're going to talk about the 49ers, man. Um so, okay. yeah, you were high on them all year. Like I said earlier in the show, it took me about two two NFL weeks. Like, I, I saw them. I, I do watch every game. I saw them the first game. But every time you see, it, like, the first game, you're like, okay, well, that was impressive. But, like, is that really kind of trying to see them two weeks in a row dominating on the defensive line? And I'm big on defensive line. And if a team can generate pressure consistently with four rushers – it allows you. It allows you to drop seven into coverage, and it's just a nightmare. You can do anything. Teams. You can do anything like that. You can do anything. Yeah, it's such a gift. It's a huge gift. Yeah, and so like if you're, if I'm building a team, if I'm a general manager building a team, um, obviously you want the quarterback. Uh, you need to invest in offensive linemen, not invest money, but invest like picks and all that stuff and generate an offensive line group that plays well as a group. I'm not saying you have to sign your left tackle to $80 million or anything like that, but I'm saying you need a team, uh, an offensive line that communicates well, a good smart center um, like Jeff Saturday used to be for the uh, for the Indianapolis Colts back in the day. Like he wasn't a heralded prospect, but he was a smart guy that could communicate well. And because that's like a dance, it's like a choreographed dance at offensive line. So you need those. Need some, of, of course, some skill players, but defensively, you need pass rushers because if you're a good offense, then you need somebody that can rush the quarterback. Um, even if you have bad defensive backs, a good pass rush will fix everything, right? You could have the best cornerbacks in the team, but if you can't get to the passer, a receiver's always going to be able to find an opening, even against the best pass right. defenses. Right, so, right. So if you have that defensive line, if you can generate a pass rush and get a couple fat guys in the middle clogging the run, even if you have a mediocre defensive backfield, even if you have mediocre linebackers, yeah, sure. it it cures everything. And San Francisco, man, their defensive line is young, and they are the fastest group I've seen. Like, I saw some games a couple years ago when Philadelphia made their Super Bowl run where their defensive line, I'm like, my gosh, they look like a swarm of angry bees. They're, they're playing fast, but they didn't yeah. do it all yeah. season long. And the only yeah. thing that could get in San Francisco's way was, was Patrick Mahomes, a guy who has mobility and ability to hit guys downfield. I don't know that outside of like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, I don't know that there's another quarterback that can consistently beat this San Francisco team. Well, I tell you who cannot do it is Aaron Rodgers, man, as you know, not to, not to bring up the Packers all the time, but as, as good as Aaron is, is against Dallas, he's just as bad against San Francisco, man. And, and they beat the crap out of him twice last year and he's no slouch, right? He's no slouch. Now green Bay, speaking about green Bay, if they could have just given Aaron Rodgers another weapon outside of uh, Devontae Adams in the passing game. That would have been those would have been closer games. I still think San Francisco just overmatched them. I mean, sure, what, sure, they're a better product for sure. As Shane yeah, man, I love right. his coaching. John Lynch, what he's done with this organization, accumulating draft picks and and landing the prospects that he's huge, landed, huge. He's been amazing. He's been incredible as a he's general. He's been incredible, manager. yeah, and, for sure. I would, do they give out any awards for these guys? Yeah, like, they do. do. They recognize, I, but I don't know job. if he got it. He certainly should have. I don't know if he got it or not. Yeah. Um, you know, sure. I don't follow that too much. But to, like how many teams like, okay, so growing up as a Redskins fan, they didn't have a pass rush for seriously 20 years. Like they, there was one year where they got Bruce Smith in free agency and Bruce Smith got 10, 10 sacks. There was another year where they had like Greg Williams and uh, like Ryan Kerrigan was doing well in sacks and they had Brian Rackpo back then. And Greg Williams was just blitzing with reckless abandon so they could generate pass rush. But 
the Redskins and, and countless teams across the NFL, they can't find a defensive line that can generate a pass rush with four people. And you look yeah. in, and you look in the playoffs, if you can get to the quarterback with four, the 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 uh, the New York Giants when they beat the New England Patriots in the two Super Bowls including that one loss season for the Patriots, they generated pass rush <laughs> with four. And when you can do that, especially in December and January, it screws everything up. And so, I like the San Francisco, are they going to have a Super Bowl hangover? Maybe. I think they're too good of an organization to not make the playoffs this year. You know, I think they'll, maybe it's a reload year, but dude, on top of that, Brad, they had two first round picks, added more depth um, to defensive line and got a receiver um, to go with Debo Samuel. Um, yeah, right. Dude, they're they're on an upward path. I, I just, I, I say this, I say San Francisco, I think was the better team going into that Super Bowl. And I still believe that. Do you? I do think that they are the better team. I think that their, their construct and their roster. I think they were the better team, right? Um, right. they're, um, but, but I think that, that Kansas city, their offense is so great that it overcame the fact that San Francisco is the better team because who knows what Garoppolo is going to be. I think he can be something incredible. Mm -hmm. Only time will tell, but he wasn't there yet. Mahomes definitely had him beat for sure. Exactly. But to be fair, Garoppolo had Mahomes beat the first, what, three and a half quarters, right? And that's, that that's, is true. that's where I was getting to is, is San Francisco, like their constructed their roster, their salary cap situation, the youth that they have, the coaching. Like if they're, they're I'm telling you, they're in a seven, seven to 10 year championship window with what that organization brings. Like this could be the next like New England Patriots kind of run that we're going to see for maybe a decade. I really believe that with just everything they have. Like it's not like they're, they're acquiring pieces and they're renting players in free agency for one to two years. Like they're consistently getting draft picks and consistently hitting on those draft picks and they're well coached. So, but that, and so, but what I was going to say, Brad, I think to the point you just made is, Kansas City Chiefs had Patrick Mahomes, and that offense is is just so fast that you know Mahomes can do his thing. Right. He can wiggle out of the pass rush, as we saw late in the in the Super Bowl. And Tyreek Hill, like I'm sorry, as good as your cornerbacks are, Tyreek Hill is so freaking fast that he could run 15 yard out routes and be wide open all game, as he was in the Super Bowl. Um, then they added a running back who's basically the second coming of Brian Westbrook in Philadelphia from all those years ago. So they've added to this offense, Brad, it, to me, they're still the, the, those two teams are still the class of the NFL. No disrespect to Baltimore, who I also love sure. organizationally. I agree. I agree. Um, my, my thing is, I think Kansas city gets back to the super bowl unless Mahomes gets injured just because they're, they're that damn good. And they broke through mentally last year. Um, you know, I think Tampa is going to be super interesting, but I, I think San Francisco, along with New Orleans, as I said last year, San Francisco, New Orleans, to me, are the class of the NFL. And I would agree. It, it's just the mental game for San Francisco. They'll be back if they can overcome the mental game, and uh, that's my only hesitation. Last team here, Brad. Let's move it to Seattle. What do you think about Russell Wilson? What they did last year, my man. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson is just. It seems like he's getting better and better, and I think that, you know. I do caution Russell Wilson a little bit because it looks to me a little bit like it's turning into a kind of Aaron Rodgers situation where Russell Wilson is so damn good and they're not giving him what he needs, but he's so good that he can take them to the playoffs, right? I mean, the 49ers were way better team than Seattle, okay? Yeah. Yeah. But because Russell Wilson is so damn special, he can get them there. But we've I've seen this before. It's a bit of a of a kind of a trap 
to think that one guy can be mm-hmm. so good and such a superhero that he doesn't need help. And so, maybe I think that's what's developing. So th- that's a great comment. So, um, and, and you and me, uh, because we, we generally get like Seattle uh, fans that'll watch this on YouTube and stuff and comment because they always think that we're kind of like not giving them enough respect. You and me respect Russell Wilson to no end. Um, we don't like Correct. him. You know, right. you're a Packers fan. Right. He's 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 basically kicked you the nuts year after year. Um, you know, in recent history. Uh, sure. And me growing up a Redskins fan, actually Seattle has constantly kicked the Redskins in the nuts. So we actually have that in common, yeah. Brad. But Russell Wilson's so good, man. He's just so good. So and good. let's remember last year. Um, I who was their tight end there? Um, I can't remember. It was like their fifth string tight end by the time you get there. I like the guy in fantasy. I'll pull up his name because I have it here. Where's the dude here? Uh, Jacob Hollister was an inch away. Yep late in the season, an inch away from breaking the goal line. And if he had done that, Seattle's the number one seed. San Francisco is the number five seed. What happens in the playoffs then? We don't know, right? To to your point of how close they are with that Russell Wilson. That's incorrect. If they would have got over that, Green Bay would have been the one seed. Oh, okay. And Seattle would have been the two. Okay, my bad. My bad. But they would have gotten the bye. yes. But yes. Yeah. Yes, they would have gotten the bye. And then, um, which is huge. It's everything. It is. It is. And then what else? So, um, and and then to to your analogy, right? How good is Aaron Rodgers? Well, Aaron Rodgers was one poorly executed onside kick recovery away from taking kind of a lackluster Green Bay team to the Super Bowl that year. Um, You know, when when San Francisco or when Seattle got in. So, you know, I know what you're saying, and I agree with that. And that's part of what we were talking about earlier with golf is when the quarterbacks get the big money, it takes a while for these teams to kind of reload. And in Seattle, when they're transitioning from the Legion of Boom into what we're getting now, they what they've done for Russell Wilson is they've quietly gathered a receiving core that's pretty talented. Like, I like Lockett. Is he a Pro Bowl player? Um, I mean, he is, but is he like that guy who's an all-pro receiver? No. DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf last year's rookie who actually exceeded expectations. They got him ridiculously low in the draft, like third or fourth round or something. Uh, what did he do? He he came on strong at the end of the season, puts up 900 yards, close to 60 catches, seven touchdowns. He's going to be even better. They get Greg Olson after being waived from Carolina to add mm. him at tight end. Mm. Who's just a? Who's going to be a, a nightmare in the red zone? Yes, you know, in between the twenties certainly, but in the red zone, Greg Olson, Russell Wilson likes to hit his tight end there. That's an upgrade there, in my view. Will Disley's, you know, the perennially injured Will Disley is going to be back. So they do have weapons offensively. I think the big question though is, what do they do defensively? Um, are they going to? Because the Legion of Boom days, that dominating defense, I don't think we're going to see that from Seattle again. Now that right. they've invested so much money in the offense. So now it becomes, okay, what can Russell Wilson do? Can you get him enough weapons, maybe not expensive weapons, but enough to do well? And I think they've done that. Chris Carson, can he hold on to the ball? Because he fumbles all the time. If he can hold on to the ball, he's a very effective running back. I think, uh, you know, Rashad Penny, who got injured, um, can he be that out-of-the-backfield guy? I know they might have added some competition for him. C.J. Procise, I know, is gone, but I think they added a guy in the draft. Forgive me, I can't remember. So they have these pieces offensively, but the defensive component, we were talking about this with San Francisco, that Legion of Boom team, they had a nasty defensive line too, and it's hard to replicate that. So Carroll, as good as a coach as he is, he's coaching these players and getting a lot out of them, but they're just not as talented defensively as they used to be. So what we saw there, in my opinion, like in their Super Bowl um, victory year and then their Super Bowl loss year, Russell Wilson was starting to ascend and the defense is mm. starting to de- to descend, and we're starting to see that right. kind of that transition now. And I think the defense is coming back up and better than people give it credit for. Um, but are they good enough to beat San Francisco this year? 
I don't think that their roster is good enough to, but I think they're a stronger well, mentally I, this year. Yeah, and I think that Russell Wilson, this might be his best year. Like, this is the one. I do. I agree. I'm feeling, you know, like like that, the peak of peak, like here it is. Like, mm-hmm. whether it's this year or this year and next year, here's where we're going to be. I so, think we're going to get— It's funny because I— Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I— t- I hate Seattle, but I like Russell Wilson. And I want, I don't, it's a weird thing. I can't stand Seattle as a unit, but <laughs> I, I almost find myself coming around to, to hope he succeeds. It's your, but it's, he's had a lot of early success, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a phenomenal quarterback. I would say he used to be underrated. I think now at least mainstream is starting to catch up with it, but I still don't think he gets his due, but I mean, this dude's on a hall of fame trajectory to me. No, no question about it. And I do agree with you. I think we're going to probably get the next three. I think these next three years are going to be his best years statistically when we look back because the team has his my favorite offense built around him. I think they've done a really nice job of adding these receivers that are kind of young and that are diversified, like Lockett can get behind defenses. Metcalf is a physical guy who can also get behind defenses. Now you got Greg Olson and Will Disley kind of working in the middle of the field. You got the power run game. I think we're going to see three very, very good years for Russell. And we'll see what happens, man. Anything can happen. Anything could happen in the playoffs. Um, and this team, you know. That's right. That's what's so beautiful at the NFL. Anything yeah. could happen. Anything could happen. I mean, like, there was a time last year where we were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they were 6-4. and four. We're like, dude, they better start winning. And then they never lost a game after that. So, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, man, the NFL, it's a beautiful thing. You tend to get teams that peak in the first four weeks, the second four weeks. So, like, the, even the teams that are good start peaking at different times. It's just fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm glad the schedule's out, man. We're going to get some ball this year. I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, dude, I think we can nip that in the bud there. Um, we're going to have, you know, definitely start getting into the 2020 stuff. Now the schedule's out. We're going to be talking once again, everybody, uh, watching and listening, click on the link below fantasy football almanac, check it out. You'll see why it's such a good fantasy football book, fantasy football magazine. You'll see why we've been a top seller for the last few years. Um, and our history, man, we'll let that speak for itself. I mean, we, we predict sleepers better than anybody else. And we tell you what players to avoid in the first few rounds of the draft. So you don't get kicked in the balls, um, you know, with poor play early in the season. Thanks everybody for listening. And we'll catch you on another episode soon. You want to get paid? Then get paid. Sean and Brad help you with the games. From the fantasy to the gambling. We the NFL experts help you win. You better tune in for the two hosts. They know everything from the players to the coaches. So get paid on a Sunday. Because the team right here know the game the most. From Chi-Town to the Florida coast. Got swag. Got butter with the toast. Brad's a washed up model. Don't hate on that. Sean writes the fantasy football almanac. So quit that losing time to win. We talk fantasy or real. Whatever you win. You're going to wish this podcast never ran. Now get Ready for the best show to begin. Let's go.